Our new covenant reading this morning is from 2 Timothy 3. We'll be reading verses 10 through 17. This is the word of our God. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And all God's people said together, Amen. Amen. As we come together to this portion of God's word in 2 Timothy chapter 3, I want to draw your attention back to something in Romans chapter 12 in verses 1 and 2, where the Apostle Paul says these words, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Now, this instruction in Romans 12 is essential to living the Christian life in this present evil age. And we're called, as Christians living in this world, not to separate ourselves completely from society, because there's not a way for us to do that, right? But we are called to stand out from our society. We are called to look, act different in the way that we live, in the way that we talk, in the things that we believe. Now, as we're coming to 2 Timothy 3, verses 10 and following, you have to realize a little bit of the broader context of what Paul is talking about here. If you glance back up at the beginning of chapter 3, Paul says to Timothy, but understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. And this is the context of Paul's instruction throughout chapter 3, in the last days. And the thing is, is that we have to understand that Paul is giving this instruction to Timothy because Timothy is in the last days, right? Uh, There there sometimes is this idea uh, when we're reading the Bible to think that the last days are something far in the future. Like, uh, I don't have to worry about that because I'm not going to, the last days aren't going to come and it's just, this isn't really for me. But that's actually not what Paul is saying. He's saying to Timothy, in the last days, you need to do this, which means Timothy is, in fact, in the last days. The last days are something that began with the coming of Jesus Christ, and they continue until Christ's final return. Sometimes I have people ask me, uh, do you believe that these are the last days? And I say, yes, they are the last days. And they, they've been the last days for the last 2,000 years. We, as the people of God, have been living in the last days. And so Paul's instruction to Timothy is coming as this is how you are to live in the last days. In the last days, we are to be those who are not conformed to the world, but are transformed by the renewal of our minds. Now, 
I am confident that we all agree with this. We, we say, yes, I affirm this. We are not to conform to this world. We are to be transformed. We understand that. We know that. We believe it firmly. But how do we live that out? How do we live out not being conformed to the world? How do we live out being transformed by renewing our minds? That's really important to think through, actually, because the, 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 the thing we need to realize is if we are not being conformed to the image of Christ, if we are not continually renewing our minds according to the scriptures, then we will start becoming conformed to the world. Right? There, there isn't such a thing as a stagnant Christian. You, you can't say, well, I'll be fine. I'm just going to stay where I am. That's not how it works, right? We are either making progress in the Christian life or we are sliding toward the world. We are sliding into ungodly philosophies and thinking. Now, that slide may be slow. It may be, at times, imperceptible. But that's actually the problem with it, right? We don't actually see those ways that we're sliding. We, we Sin deceives us and leads us to think that we're doing fine, but we're not. We might be tempted to think, well, well that's not going to happen to me. right? I'm not, I'm not going to let that happen. I'm not going to slide toward the world. But recognize wh- who Paul is talking to in these verses. He's talking to Timothy, someone about who Paul said, I have no one like him. Like he's writing to the churches and he says, guys, there's no one like Timothy. Timothy was a faithful Christian. He was faithful to God's calling in his life. Paul knew who he was writing to. He knew he was writing to one of the most faithful Christians of his time. And yet Paul doesn't take anything for granted in these last instructions to Timothy. Recognize Paul is coming to the end of his life. If you if you take a chance to look through 2 Timothy, you'll realize Paul knows, as he comes to chapter 4, he says to Timothy, I'm, I'm getting ready to depart. It's the end of my life. And as he is getting ready to leave this earth, he's not taking anything for granted in his last instructions to Timothy. These verses here are a call for Timothy to stand in contrast with the false teachers of his day and to grow in the grace that is already his in Jesus Christ. These words are written to faithful Christians. These words are written to you and to me. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your minds. How do we live that out? That is what I think is at the heart of what Paul is talking to Timothy here in chapter 3, verses 10 through 17. He wants to show Timothy how to renew his mind in what ways he is not to be conformed to the world, how to live out the Christian life in a way that is growing in grace and in godliness. So how does Paul show this to Timothy? Well, he gives Timothy, I think, three ways to continually be transformed into the image of Christ. First, he calls Timothy to follow examples of faithfulness. Second, to continue in what he has learned. And third, to equip himself through the God-breathed scriptures. How are we to be transformed into the image of Christ? Follow examples of faithfulness. Continue in what you have learned and equip yourself through the God-breathed scriptures. So first, follow examples of faithfulness. Follow examples of faithfulness. Look with me again here at verses 10 and 11. Paul writes these words to Timothy. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, My faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. 
my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all, the Lord rescued me. Now, there's an emphasis here at the beginning of verse 10. Paul says, but as for you, Timothy. Now, the reason that he's making this emphasis on Timothy is that he is drawing a contrast between what he has said in the previous verses. If you glance back up at verses 1 through 9, you'll see Paul is talking about how in the last days there will arise false teachers, and they will follow the way of ungodliness. And these teachers will be present even in the church. And what they will do is they will draw others after themselves, other people who want to follow the lusts of the flesh and the desires of the world. And so Paul says, look, Timothy, this is going to happen. There are going to be false teachers in the church. There are going to be um, professing Christians who follow the ways of the world. But as for you, you are to be different. That's important for us to realize, isn't it? That these words are written to us. That as for us, our lives are to look different than what we see happening in the world around us. See, Timothy is the kind of person who does not follow the sins and the false teachers that characterize the last days. He has, in fact, followed the example of Paul. He's followed Paul's teaching in life. He's followed, look at the the list that Paul gives here. He's followed Paul's obedience to God, Paul's desire to please God and spread the gospel of Christ. He's followed Paul's belief in the gospel, Paul's patient labors in bringing the gospel to the known world. He's followed Paul's love for God and fellow men. He's followed Paul's endurance in the face of persecution and difficulty. Timothy has been willing to join in the persecution and suffering that Paul faced for the sake of the gospel. And Paul is saying, keep following my example, Timothy. See, that's what you've been doing. Keep doing it. Don't slide into the sins and the philosophies of the world. Keep on the path you are on. Don't turn to the right hand and don't turn to the left. Now, if you think about this, it actually takes a lot of boldness to say to someone, follow my example. Now, I don't know about you, but I feel a little bit like scared to say that to someone because the response is going to be, who in the world do you think you are? to tell me to follow your example, right? I mean, we live in that kind of culture, right? We live in a culture that's uh, don't tell me how to live. Don't tell me what to do. Sometimes we slip into that, don't we? Uh, I, I think that, you know, when we read the Bible, like we're perfectly comfortable uh, with saying that we want to follow the examples of Moses and David and Paul. Well, oh yeah, I'll follow those guys. Those are, those are good examples. But I want to ask you this question. Do you have someone in your life, a believer, that you look up to and say, I want to follow that person's example of faithfulness to Christ. I want to be like them. Or are you just trying to make a go of it on your own? See, the way that God intends us to live the Christian life, the way that God intends that we be continually transformed into the image of Christ, the way that we continually renew our minds, the way that God intends for that to happen is for us to follow examples of faithfulness, examples in our own lives, people we can know and touch and listen to and talk to, and say, I want to be faithful like them. 
Now, I, I want to share with you just uh, one story from my own life and an example of faithfulness that I've looked up to and that I desire to follow. But I, I imagine that as I share this story with you, that this will spark something in your own mind, people that you have known and loved. Uh, and the story that I want to share very briefly is the story of my, uh, my uncle, Jeffrey Town, who uh, several weeks ago, the Lord called home to himself. Uh, he passed away suddenly from a massive heart attack. He was at the gym working out. He was he was in great shape. It was, it came as a terrible shock. Uh, but the thing that, you know, as we went to his funeral and burial, the thing that people that knew him and loved him continually said was, you know, I want to be like Jeffrey Town. That was an example of faithfulness. He was a godly man. He loved the scriptures. He loved Jesus Christ. He wanted to talk about Christ wherever he went, right? The, the world will never know the Jeffrey Towns, but we know them. And we can say, I want to be like that. I want to follow Jesus Christ the way that person has followed Jesus Christ. Now, in saying this, we don't idolize other people, right? Because because if we do that, if we idolize other, even other Christians, they will disappoint us. Everyone is a sinner. And, and the more that you know someone, the more you're going to see their sins, right? And so you're, as you get to know them, you're going to realize, well, they're sinners too, like me. So we don't idolize people. But we follow their examples as they follow Jesus Christ. Right? Think about this in the life of Paul. He very boldly told the Corinthians, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. What about Paul? What was it about Paul that Timothy was following? He had been following Paul's service to Christ. And that's what we're supposed to do. And see, if we do that, we aren't idolizing people. We're saying, I see Christ in that person's life, and I want to be like that. I want to be like Christ the way that they are like Christ. We're not idolizing. We're actually looking to Jesus Christ as he shines forth in the lives of other faithful believers. We are to follow examples of faithfulness, and we are to be examples of faithfulness. Can you imagine the boldness that it takes to say to someone, follow my example? Can you have that boldness? That's what Paul did. Now, okay, on the one hand, like we're not apostles, right? So uh, there's a sense in which, you know, Paul is an apostle of Christ, is being called by God to be an example. But, but we're all to imitate that, aren't we? Do we follow Christ in such a way that we aren't afraid for others to follow our example? It's something to think about, isn't it? Now, there is a cost to this. There is a cost to following Christ, to following the examples of other Christians and being examples ourselves. See, Timothy was willing to follow Paul's example, even if it meant suffering and persecutions. Now, our natural inclination, if we see someone being persecuted for the faith, is to sort of distance ourselves from them, like, oh, I don't know, I don't, I don't think I want that to happen to me. We can sort of hold them at arm's length, right? Paul was beaten, he was stoned, he was imprisoned, he was shipwrecked, he was ultimately martyred. And Timothy knew all this, right? And it takes courage to say, I want to follow that kind of person. It takes a, a certain recklessness. 
in a good kind of way. But it takes a certain recklessness to say, I want to follow that person knowing what's going to happen to me. But see, in all of this, in Paul's calling Timothy to follow his example of faithfulness, this isn't just about Paul's faithfulness to God. It's about God's faithfulness to Paul. And that's what gives Paul the boldness to say, follow my example, knowing that if Timothy does it, he's going to be persecuted, he's going to suffer. Paul talks about the persecutions that he endured, and he says, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. God was faithful to Paul. He never left Paul. He was with him in his sufferings and persecutions, helping him and delivering him. And just as God was with Paul, so he would be with Timothy, and so he will be with us. We need that kind of encouragement if we are to follow examples of faithfulness. Paul continues this call to Timothy to follow his example in verses 12 and 13. He says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Now, this call to follow examples of faithfulness, this isn't about, you know, or it isn't just meant for a special class of Christians. It's not only for the, you know, Jim and Elizabeth Elliots of the world, right? It's not only for the John Calvins and the Martin Luthers. Every true believer will have the desire to live a godly life. And that means that every true believer will suffer some kind of persecution. Acts 14.22 says, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. This will happen to us on some level. John Calvin says, they who wish to be exempt from persecutions must necessarily renounce Christ. Those are really strong words. Right? If we want to escape the persecution that comes with being a child of God, we will have to renounce Christ. Because all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. The world and the devil are not our friends and they are not neutral. They are enemies and they will not leave us in peace. And it's not going to get easier. There will be evil people in the world. There will be imposters and false teachers even in the church. They will continue down the path of ungodliness and sin. They will go from bad to worse. That's what Paul is telling Timothy. But the thing is, we don't have to fear. Christ has promised to be with us. Think of the words that Jesus said before he ascended up into heaven, right? When he gave the apostles the great commission, I will be with you always. That was a promise. And so we can boldly follow examples of faithfulness, knowing that God will rescue us and ultimately lead us to glory. First, follow examples of faithfulness. Second, continue in what you have learned. Continue in what you have learned. Look with me at verses 14. 14 through 15. Paul says to Timothy, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Notice that again, Paul draws a contrast 
between Timothy and the false teachers. But as for you, don't be like the imposters and the evil people. Rather, continue in what you have learned. How are we going to be transformed by the renewal of our minds? How are we going to avoid being conformed to the things of this world? We are to continue in what we have learned. Paul says to Timothy, keep doing what you're already doing. Keep believing what you have already believed. Now, why should Timothy continue in what he has learned and believed? What's what's the motivation behind this continuing that Paul calls him to? I think, first of all, because what Paul is telling Timothy is that he has believed the truth that comes from God. This is not the words of men. Timothy has believed what Jesus Christ himself revealed to the church. And the second thing is that Timothy knows from whom he learned the gospel, right? He learned it directly from Paul who had received it from Christ himself. Also, Timothy had learned the gospel from his mother and his grandmother. Paul says, know what you have learned and know from whom you have received it. John Calvin says about this verse, he says, It ought to be reckoned a remarkable instance of the kindness of God if any person from his earliest years has thus acquired a knowledge of the Scriptures. What a tremendous kindness from God. If you were raised in a home where the Scriptures were taught and read, where you learned Jesus Christ from your parents and grandparents, Timothy was a faithful servant of Christ because his mother and his grandmother taught him the truth because Paul had instructed him in the ways of the the Lord. And Paul is saying, you know what you have learned. You have learned the very words of God. and You know from whom you have learned it. And so continue in that. Keep going. This was not some new religion that Timothy had learned. And this wasn't something new. It comes directly, Paul says, from the sacred writings, from the Old Testament scriptures. This was the faith of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, of Moses and David and the prophets. There was a long line of believers. Timothy could look back on the Old Testament church and say, I'm following the example of these Christians. And these scriptures that Timothy had learned serve a purpose. That is to lead us to salvation. When you learn the scriptures, when you come to know the scriptures as they have been taught to you, as they have been handed down to you by believers of old, as they have been written down for you in the very word of God, as you learn the scriptures, it's the very opposite of what Paul talks about back in verse 7. He says of those who are drawn away after false teaching that they are ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Right? See, those who are following false teaching, they're smart people. They've got lots of head knowledge. They're always learning new stuff. But they never come to the knowledge of the truth. And see, when you turn to the scriptures, the very opposite of that happens. You are led to salvation by faith in Jesus Christ. To know the scriptures and to put your faith and trust in the Christ of the scriptures is to learn and arrive at the knowledge of the truth. If we are going to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, we must continue in what we have learned and believed. Now, notice Paul doesn't say to Timothy, 
Timothy, you've got to adapt your message to the needs of the culture, right? Times are changing, Timothy. People are, are going off in different directions. You're going to have to adapt and adjust. Paul doesn't say that. He says, continue in the scriptures that lead to salvation. See, young people, I would challenge you especially to think about this because you may go off to colleges, you may go off to workplaces where people don't believe the truth and they don't care and they're going to have a lot of objections that are going to sound really good. Don't try to come up with a new way of making the gospel relevant. Continue in what you have learned. Continue in the scriptures. I think there's a very real temptation for us to move on from the plain teachings of the scriptures, right? This was a temptation for Timothy. Timothy is witnessing people in the church going after false teachers. They're promoting a message that appeals to the sinful lusts of the flesh. And it could have been easy for Timothy to think, you know, I've got to do something different. I've got to do something new. Paul is saying, Timothy, don't forget the scriptures you have learned because they are the only way to salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Imagine for a minute, you know, if your your favorite football team goes on to win the Super Bowl uh, this year. Okay, that's great. You would be ecstatic, right? You're you're celebrating. Maybe you go to the parade and you think, and you're looking at the team and you're going, man, we could do it again next year because like we've got long contracts and all of our starters and this is going to be a great dynasty. And then the off season, your team turns around and trades away all of their starters and comes up with a totally new team. You'd be like, that's crazy. Why would you do that? You just won the Super Bowl, right? And you'd be right. They, that would be completely crazy. How much more foolish is it to leave behind that which alone leads to salvation in order to pursue other methods of drawing in the crowds. Not that I don't want to see the crowds come in, right? Like if we saw every seat in this building packed and people up in the balconies and out the doors, we would be ecstatic, right? We want people to come to Jesus Christ, but we don't have to change our message. We should never change our message. I think that's actually a great encouragement to us in our daily Christian lives. See, if you want to be transformed into the image of Christ, if you want to continually renew your mind, then continue in what you have already learned. You don't need something new. It's been handed to you. But in order to do that, you know, we have to be willing to be learners. Sometimes when we, you know, we're, in our relationships and our dealings with other people, I, I fall into this too, right? I mean, we're, none of us are, are, can escape this. We want to be the people talking, right? We want people to listen to us and be like, oh, they've got something good to say. We want people to look up to us. But if we're going to be transformed into the image of Christ, we need to be willing to be learners. We need to be willing to sit and to be taught. And sometimes that's hard, right? Like our pride gets in the way. You know, I, I don't know how this was for you, but, you know, for me as a young person, like, my mom would tell me stuff. And I'm like, I know, I know, I know. Don't tell me that, mom. Right? And, like, in a sense, we still do that, right, in some ways. Those people that are closest to us, we don't necessarily want to have to hear from them the truth. But we need to be learners. Right? Husbands and wives, be willing to learn from one another. Be willing to learn from your friends when they tell you things about God and the Scriptures.
We have to ask ourselves at this point, why does Paul point Timothy back to the plain teaching of the scriptures? What is it about the scriptures that is able to lead us to salvation? What is it about the scriptures that is able to transform us in our daily lives? Well, the reality of of what Paul is talking about is that it is in the scriptures that Christ is revealed. It is here and here alone that the spirit bears witness to Jesus Christ. And as Christ is revealed to us, we are transformed and our minds are renewed. I want you to think about this in one practical sense, but there are many ways that the scripture does this to us, but one practical sense about way, the way that when Christ is revealed to us, we are transformed and renewed in our minds. Hebrews tells us that Jesus, the Son of God, is our great high priest who has passed into the heavens. Now, okay, that's, that's a real encouragement, but how does Christ, revealed as high priest, transform us? How does it change the way that we live and act? Well, it gives us confidence to draw near to the very throne of God. It shows us that the throne of God is no longer for us a throne of judgment, but a throne of grace. It teaches us that we may seek mercy and help from God at any time. We don't have to try to figure out our problems on our own before coming to God for help. We can come to him at every moment. We can seek him first in all things. Continue in what you have learned. Continue in the scriptures which reveal Christ and transform the way that you live. What we have learned through the gospel, what we have learned of Christ is meant to impact how we live. Right? The evil people, Paul says, will go from bad to worse and we are to go in the other direction, growing more and more like Christ. Do you want to see spiritual changes in your life? Do you want to look back next year, look back at yourself and say, I have grown in Christ in some way? Think about that. And if that is your desire, then recognize, child of God, you have received in Christ everything that you need. 1 Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. Continue in what you have learned of Christ. Think about what this means for our ministry. If we try to use means other than the plain message of the gospel to bring people into the church, we are not showing them Christ. We're not showing them the only thing that can transform them. What's our goal here? What's our goal as we seek to minister the gospel? Our goal is not to entertain people. Right? We aren't trying to make them think that we're relevant. We aren't even trying necessarily to bring them into the OPC, even though, like, you know, we would like that. Uh, but that's, that's really not our goal, is it? Or not our first goal. That's our second goal, maybe. But that's not our first goal. Our first goal is to lead them to Jesus. And when we do that, that can have an impact that reaches further than we could ever imagine. Now, I want to go back a little bit to the story of my uncle Jeffrey who was a dear man and a dear believer in Christ. And I want to share with you his story of how he came to faith in Jesus Christ. He was a teenager. He had been sort of searching for God. He wasn't sure. He he was asking himself, why doesn't God kill me? Like, I've rebelled against him. Why hasn't he destroyed me yet? And uh, he was working at a gas station. He was working late one night, and uh, a guy pulled up, 
and he was, you know, pumping gas for this guy. And uh, the guy was, turned out to be a Christian, and he tried to hand my Uncle Jeffrey a, a tract. And uh, my Uncle Jeffrey got really angry at this point, and he, he basically shoved the guy back into his car. He didn't want anything to do with this guy. And, uh, but he, the guy had handed him the tract, and he had actually put it in his pocket. And so he went home that night, and he was like emptying out his pockets, and he pulled out the tract, and he was like, huh. And he opened it to read it. And the scripture verses that were there struck his heart, and God changed his heart in that moment. And he came to faith in Jesus Christ. And the thing about that story is, the guy that handed him the tract never knew. Right? He thought that he was a failure. Like, I just, I, I bought, you know, I botched my chance to share the gospel. The guy shoved me back in my car. He never knew. And what happened to my Uncle Jeffrey? My Uncle Jeffrey actually went on to lead my dad to salvation. And the scriptures were passed down to generations. There are three generations that were impacted by one man trying to hand a tract to someone else. When we point people to Jesus Christ, we don't know what could happen. Because God's word is the thing that transforms hearts and minds. Show them from the scriptures that Christ is the savior from sin. Show them that Christ is the hope of eternal life. Show them that Christ is the exalted king who demands that we bow to his lordship. Continue in what you have learned. Teach and preach what you have learned of Jesus Christ. Follow examples of faithfulness. Continue in what you have learned. Finally, equip yourself through the God-breathed scriptures. Equip yourself through the God-breathed scriptures. Look with me here finally at verses 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now, these verses are probably familiar to you, and notice that Paul says, all scripture... All scripture, every jot and tittle of the Old Testament and the New Testament, not some, not most. All scripture is breathed out by God. It is God's word. It is not man's word. God used men, right? He used men with personalities and that wrote in their own words. But it was his word that they were writing. 2 Peter 1.21, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. God was empowering them by the Spirit, and through them he was speaking exactly what he wanted set down in his word. For his people then, and for us today. And as God's word, the scripture bears all God's perfections. Right? As God is holy and perfect, His Word is holy and perfect. The Spirit inspired the authors of Scripture, and that same Spirit testifies to our hearts that this is the Word of God. It is from God, and we are bound to hear it and to obey it. The, the question I want to ask you, though, this morning is, do you believe in all Scripture in practice? Right. We believe in it in like we we confess it. But do we believe it in practice? Do we sometimes start to pick and choose what we want to hear and to obey? 
See, if we're going to be conformed to the image of Christ, if our minds are going to be transformed, then in practice we must affirm everything that the Scripture tells us. We, we readily affirm, you know, when God tells us that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. We readily confirm that and affirm it. But how do we react when God tells us to give to those who have needs? Do we pass over quickly the parts where he tells us to forgive someone 77 times? That's a lot of times, actually. You know, Peter thought he was doing good, right, when he asked Jesus this question. Do I have to forgive someone seven times, Lord? And Jesus says, no, 77 times, which doesn't mean that you get to keep track. Oops, 77, I'm done. No, Jesus was, it was obvious what he meant. As often as someone sins against you and comes back and repents, you are to forgive them. That's hard. We're fine when God tells us to love our neighbor, you know, the people we like. Oh yeah, I love, I love my neighbor. But how do we feel when he tells us to love our enemies? The people that hurt us and wrong us and don't seem to care that they did it. Do we skip lightly over the parts of scripture where he tells us to go and make disciples of all nations, starting with our neighbors down the street? See, since Scripture is the very Word of God, it is profitable to us, it is useful, it is able to work in us and change us. And so we have to be willing to hear it, even the parts we don't necessarily like. The content of Scriptures is not merely stories from history or nice suggestions or words of encouragement, although it is those things. It is living and active. And accomplishes the will and the purpose of God. Scripture instructs us, teaching us about God's will and nature. It rebukes us and disciplines us when we sin. It's like a mirror, right? Showing us who we are in comparison with God's perfect righteousness. It shows us how to conform to the image of Christ. It shows us what to put off and what to put on. It trains us to live in righteousness and holiness. Not to be better versions of ourselves, but to be more like God. The scripture, all scripture, equips the man or the woman of God to be ready for the service of God. Do you want to work for God? Do you want to be useful for his service? Equip yourself with the scriptures. And you're never too young or too old to do this, right? Everyone can do this. The scripture shows us God's character and his will for us. It helps us to grow in the knowledge of God, but that knowledge is meant to equip us to work. Don't just read the Bible for comfort and encouragement and knowledge. Do that, right? That's important, but don't only do that. Read it to know God, to become more like him, to work for him. Think back to creation. We were created to do God's work, to participate in what he is doing in the world. When we do the work of God, we are participating in what he is doing as he advances his kingdom. And we do the work of God by equipping ourselves with God's word. Follow examples of faithfulness. Continue in what you have learned. Equip yourself with the God-breathed scriptures. And as you live this way, 
instead of being conformed to this world, you will be conformed to the kingdom of Christ. Amen.